I know uh, very few people in my kind of group at the time went and started their own business. And by and large, they've all gone on to be successful in whatever careers they have. But, you know, I do hear from them how they, you know, wish they had done something uh, yeah. when they could have uh, yeah. on a number of occasions. So I'm in my 50s now. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people start businesses in their 50s or their 40s. Yeah. You don't realize how restrictive age is when you're in your 20s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I would say, you know, if, if you even think of it at the time as something that might be interested, you have to give it a shot because that window is not going to be open forever. And, and the low risk time is now. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really, really excited about bringing on a good friend. Uh, we've recently got reconnected. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with Hugh for a number of years. Um, and Hugh has gone on uh, to found Owen Media Partners. And it's a marketing company better known by its brands, Scott's Directory, the Canadian Trade Index, McRae's Blue Book. And um, he basically uh, creates products and services digitally and distributes them uh, right across Canada and the U.S. He has uh, 50 employees, a, a big fulfillment center uh, in Delhi, India. And um, we really had an amazing conversation about, you know, what it's what his career path was and and choosing to be an entrepreneur and the types of decisions he made and, and uh, the lack of clarity and understanding uh, when he got started and uh, seizing on some opportunities that really, really made a huge, huge difference. We, we talk about, you know, what he sees uh, heading forward because really he is and really is a digital expert um, and, and took all of his businesses that were, you know, sort of paper-based old technology and brought them online and actually bought businesses uh, a number of times and, and did the same. And uh, I, I think you'll really find this uh, conversation fascinating, as I did. And uh, so, um, you know, you know what we're up to is is looking for amazing young leaders. So if you have any feedback for me or know someone, you can send me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com. You could uh, also just go directly to our website. And I just wanted to uh, have you enjoy this podcast and have a fantastic day. Thanks so much. Awesome. So Hugh, so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I know it's been a long time in planning uh, and uh, really, really excited to have you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So um, I know it's, it's, it's been a long time, um, but, but think back to, you know, high school or early university before the program, you know, who was Hugh Owen? Uh, who was Hugh Owen? So I was uh, had, had definitely had some entrepreneurial experiences at that time. I had, um, you know, we all play sports as a kid. I was, uh, you know, the photographer that shows up and takes the pictures of all the sports teams. I had done yeah. that in high school. Huh? Actually had a pretty good run um, and didn't have a kind of a traditional job for most of high school. I was doing that. 
uh, and had done some stuff in middle school, started a little snowballing business. So I, I mean, I mean, I had a sense of, of what I wanted to do and the direction I wanted to go, but I was uh, definitely kind of uh, drifting, um, was uh, a little unfocused. I was at U of T. I was doing a bachelor of commerce degree. Yeah. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Knew I needed some money. Knew mm-hmm. I could do something on my own. I would probably be successful. And, uh, but I was undisciplined and didn't really understand how to uh, tap into my skill set, honestly. And that's, I, I think, is, is a good way of uh, describing uh, me. Where, where you at, at the time? Yeah. 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 No, and so so you know, if you think back on the on the program, what what did you still rely on from the program, or what did you take out of the program? So I I took I've been thinking about the podcast since you asked me, mm-hmm. uh, and thinking about all the lessons I learned, and I'm I'm so surprised at um, how much I took. I was there two summers. Yeah, how much I took, and I sat down recently and wrote down all of the different ways I've made money. And, and I came up with about 30 different, uh, since uh, middle school right up to right now, 30 different ways. And, and, and I was looking at them and there was a real inflection point, honestly, when I uh, did the two years uh, at Student Works. It's like I kind of got it together. Right. And um, it was such a great fit uh, with me. So what I take away from it, uh, how it helped me, I understood the value of uh, hard work. I had never worked so hard, uh, but it didn't always feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tremendously rewarding. It was the first time that I actually felt a sense of purpose mm-hmm. through work. And that was kind of very surprising to me. I didn't really realize that you could do that. And it was eye-opening to me to learn how you could really make some money, mm-hmm. how you could uh, parlay that over the course of a career uh, and build off that to really, uh, to own a business. And, uh, it really opened my eyes to how people who own businesses over time generate a lot of personal wealth. Yeah. Okay. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so why don't we, uh, and one of the great things for me, uh, here is, is that really I'm going to be kind of discovering this. So, cause, uh, cause I really didn't dig into this with, you know, since we got reconnected. Um, and so, you know, you graduate from U of T, you've, you've had this amazing experience. Uh, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur. So what, what was next in along the career path? So I, I hit a rough patch. So I went to U of T and at the time, I don't know what U of T in the, in the commerce program is doing now, but at the time it was kind of an, a factory for accountants, for CPAs, yes. CPAs. And that's really what I just copied what everybody else was doing. So the year before I was a manager uh, with Student Works, I had tried painting on my own um, and had some success with that, but recognized I didn't really, I needed some real professional help if I was going to make a go of it. Right. So it was, I was three summers uh, as a, you know, increasingly successful um, manager of, of a painting operation and then went into the accounting training program at uh, what is now PwC Coopers. Yeah. And uh, they, I, it was awful for me, for me, yes. it was a really terrible uh, choice and decision. It was, it was not anything that I had experienced in my, in my previous three summers. Um, and I, I remember waking up one morning, I was working just as hard, but I remember waking, I, had, I did really well financially in my last year uh, at Student Works. And I, I think for some reason I have $24,000 in my head as, as, as how much money I made. And um, that was my salary for a year at PwC at the time. Yeah. And I remember thinking I felt stifled and it's just a bad fit. It was yes, just a really bad definitely. fit. I have lots of friends 
that have become tremendous, uh, at least uh, tremendously successful uh, uh, pursuing that. It was a terrible fit for me. So uh, I left after eight months. Mm-hmm. It was a three-year uh, training program. You had to get your hours in. I left after eight months, really without a plan B. Right. But I, but my experience, honestly, with Student Works gave me the confidence to know that things were going to work out just fine. I had a supportive family. Yeah. I ended up moving to London, England. My parents, uh, my family originally was from the UK. And um, I got a passport and I jumped on a plane and uh, I moved to the UK and was there for, I didn't have a return ticket, but I was there for a year. Right. Decided when I was there that I wanted to do an MBA and uh, researched the different schools and found schools that uh, I thought were more entrepreneurial, would, would give me more of a, uh, a skill set that would kind of uh, help me uh, take advantage of my entrepreneurialism uh, uh, and uh, ended up uh, doing my MBA at the Ivy School. Okay. Came back and went to Ivy and had a, a fantastic uh, experience there. I would say that uh, when I think about the, the two most uh, important experiences in my younger life, it was definitely the two years at Ivy and the two years at Student Works. And they were kind of uh, very complementary uh, systems. Yes. Uh, came out and it was a recession. I uh, didn't really know what to do. Uh, so I started a business. So we started in the information uh, business doing, uh, it was paper-based at the time. It was just a few years before the internet uh, emerged. Selling, um, you know, research papers and uh, things like this for uh, for other or, uh, for other companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing I know, I had an opportunity to get into like an advertising directory. So ran that, eventually purchased that as a leverage from on a, a leverage buyout. Did that. That was given an opportunity. Let's not go too fast because I'm interested. Okay. Um, so sure. so so this is this is fascinating because one of the things is is that for our young leaders listening, they're like. You know, I want to be where Hugh is. Mm-hmm. You know, in, 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 in you know number of decades, right? You, you know, you really, really done incredibly well, and and so it's like, and I know I know the world is completely different, so it's not like there's a there's a pathway for someone to choose the way that you did it because the technology's all changed, etc. But what had you interested in that space? You know, Hugh, well, why don't we start there? And did, did so you I've, see that as a big opportunity, or you know, just yeah, yeah. So you know, I recently was learning about uh, some research that was done on what drives different entrepreneurs and different buckets of people. And for me, it's, I don't, I've never really been passionate or driven into a specific field because of my passion. Right. I've been driven into a specific way of working because of my passion, which is working for myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have 50 people in our business right now. At one point we were at 75 and I enjoyed it less. So for me, the sweet spot is running a business with between 45 and 60 people. I feel like it's big enough that, you know, the, the economics work out for me personally, but it's not so big that it becomes overwhelming and I basically become, uh, uh, you know, a full-time manager. So uh, your question was, uh, how did I end up in the information business? It was just something that the opportunity that arose at the time. Right. Uh, I had, uh, you know, someone connected me with uh, what is now the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters Organization. Right. And they had a need for some consultants. You know, you're pretty marketable when you come out with an MBA at Ivy if you're prepared to do almost anything. Right. Which I was. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really demonstrated my abilities in that kind of uh, environment. I was still in at home, so I could afford to earn two or three thousand dollars a month, which is what I was doing at the very beginning. Yeah, and uh, just built a small consultancy, and then took on an employee, and then 
I really realized uh, I had a bit of an awakening when they had this product uh, that they sold the results of a, of a research uh, questionnaire for uh, $500. And um, I was in the office and I compiled the results for them. That was my, that was my contribution was they paid me a few thousand dollars to compile the results from all these inbound questionnaires. And uh, I was in there and the phone rang and uh, one of the people who worked there answered the phone and said, okay, and we'll take your credit card. And they wrote the credit card number down. And they said, we just made a $500 sale. And then she went over to what was the fax machine at the time and faxed 20 pages across and said, there, we just made $500. And I thought, well, I like that. Like that sounds like a pretty good way, <laughs> way of making $500. So, I mean, it's a lot of work to get the papers in the first place and the research and the data. But the ability to, I mean, today we call it scaling a business and, yeah. um, you know, high fixed costs, low marginal costs. Uh, but at the time, that was a little eye opening to me. And I saw how they were doing things and thought that I could triple or quadruple the size of that particular source of revenue for them. So I, I brought them a proposal where I said, um, tell you what, I will, you know, uh, ensure that you're making at least as much as you're making right now. But I think I can double it for you. But anything over and above that I get to keep. So it was pretty low risk for them. They said yes, and I got to hand it to the person that was running the organization at the time. He he had a soft spot for me and was really trying to help me along. But really, their downside was pretty limited. I really put a proposal together that was uh, that was advantageous, and it worked. And I was right. Um, it wasn't an act of genius. They weren't really marketing this thing. Right. And they they weren't running it outside of Ontario. So there's a, a few basic you know business things that. Um, uh, that, that I applied and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I started to make a decent income and it, I was generating it based on my own ideas. And uh, then a bigger opportunity with that same organization came up to run um, what is the Canadian Trade Index, which uh, is, uh, a, an, uh, think about it as, a, as an industrial directory. It's a yellow pages for manufacturers at the time. Okay. It's yeah. all online and digital right now. But um, they'd struggled. And uh, again, I came in and said to them, uh, you know, you won't do worse than you've done in the past. And we just yep. had some success there. I think you can do a lot better. And this is a, they're a small organization in the overall scheme of things. And again, uh, it was low risk for them. So they said, uh, give it a shot. Uh, so I did. And the next thing you know, uh, we had really made a dramatic improvement uh, in the revenue they were earning. Uh, right. But I was also taking a slice of the pie uh, as well. And then, you know, it was the beginning of the dot-com boom. It was, it was the late 90s. Uh, and Yellow Pages called out of the blue and said, you know, I think we'd like to get into this part of the business. And they bought my business. And um, yeah, that was uh, a really good transaction for me at the time. And then I became a Yellow Page employee for two years. Okay. And those were the, the two worst years of my life. I figured because that. <laughs> I was, uh, I thought, you know, this is really fantastic. I took a bit of money off the table and it was going to give me security and all these wonderful things that I had imagined that my friends were doing. Um, and uh, I paid off my mortgage on my house. That was back yep. in 1998, which was quite something. And um, now I was, I was miserable every day at work for, right. uh, for two years because I was going to work for the man. Yeah. And um, at the time, Yellow Pages was in the, the, the TSC 300. It was a massive multi-billion dollar market cap business. I mean, it was, it was the essence of success in advertising. And um, yeah, it was awful. I had a two-year contract. And at the end of the two-year contract, I went to them and said, I, I can't do this anymore. 
Um, and they said, well, we don't really want the business without you. That was the plan was to always keep you in place. So would you like to buy it back? So, and they literally sold it back to me for a fraction of what I purchased it and which was totally unexpected. Wow. Uh, but the dot-com boom had crested and they were getting out of all these businesses that they had bought into. So the timing was good for me there. Um, but I did put two really tough years in not knowing that that was going to be the outcome. Right. So, um, you know. The best deal I ever made was selling it to them. The second best deal I ever made was was buying it back from them, as 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 it turns out. Yeah, so I got it back, and uh, it was a bigger business. They'd invested a bunch of money, and uh, so I was now find myself uh, on the other side of the dot com boom, and it, that was a tough time for a lot of uh, uh, information and internet oriented businesses. A recession came along. It was some pretty lean years there while we uh, reorganized the business and we got totally out of print. We went entirely online. And then we uh, looked at buying some other small businesses uh, that we had. We needed some scale. Right. And I remember uh, as I would approach these business owners, we had a bit of money and we put a bit of money down and they take some paperback and the bank would loan us some money. And I had a... Um, company that's gone on to do uh, a lot of mid-market investment banking since, but uh, run by a friend of mine. And he was helping me uh, execute these transactions at the time. And he had his partners in the boardroom with us when we were trying to do one. And he said, you know, you'd be surprised how many people we have sitting here buying businesses, all of whom used to be student painting managers. He said, I would love to see the research on as a predictor of success, people that are able to make a go of it when they're 20, 21, and 22, yeah. uh, and how that translates into something uh, when you're in your late 20s and 30s. So I thought that was interesting yeah. because I had had success in the student painting world, and it taught me a lot, and it gave me a confidence. And I got to say that it gave the bank a lot of confidence, too, when it came to, you know, how do you know you can make something from nothing? And, you know... In my case, two years with student works and a year on my own, it really speaks to uh, someone's ability to uh, uh, to make things work. So yeah. um, that was, um, uh, and then. Well, and one, one sec, hold on. Let's go back. Yeah. First first okay. of all, uh, by the way, I, I, I love what you had to say about student painting and we found and discovered, you know, right now we're counting people from our business and we're over 170 millionaires found. And I know there's mm -hmm. more. You know, part of it is, is because of, you know, it's, it's like, you know, Q and I work together. Why wouldn't we have stayed connected? Well, cause it was in the back in the day, pre-internet, it was hard to stay connected. So, so, you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing that wouldn't have had us be connected in the, today's world, but back then it was difficult. And, and so one question about that, like to go back, like one of the things as well that I see, um, you know, in terms of, of skill sets that you have is, is, is really marketing. Right. Like you basically said, hey, I can grow a business. So is that is, is that accurate? That's one of the things that you seem to be consistently doing is growing is growing a business. And what what sort of keys do you see to being able to market successfully? Oh, wow. I I don't know that I could identify uh, four or five keys as to what I do, especially that's, that's different than than anyone else. You know, I just uh, all the businesses I've been marketing uh, have been my own. Right. And uh, I really, if you just are really passionate about your own skill set and what you can do, only get involved in good businesses. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, I've turned down opportunities to buy businesses or get involved in businesses that have been, you know, less than, um, well, I don't know what the right word would be, but something that I, I would not get excited about. Right. Uh, right. I didn't really feel would serve customers well. 
and just really uh, talk about how it's going to help people. Uh, really? I, I mean, I don't, yeah. that's very, very, very generic, but I was cleaning some stuff out of my parents' house recently. And I, and I do say I did learn one thing at student works that has served me well for these uh, 30 years. Right. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but in our training, we were all oh, yes. given this pin and I'm holding up a pin that you would, that you would pin to your lapel. And it says S O Q N O P. And I did a Google search on it and, and it doesn't come up as anything. So it is uniquely uh, you and your management team uh, from the late eighties, but it sell on quality, not on price. And uh, that, I got to say, that has served me well. And that is, yeah. I don't think you own that. That is definitely nope. a, a, a very Take well from somebody, yes. Marketing, marketing piece. But, you know, I've had this, uh, this particular pin uh, in my uh, <laughs> orbit for, for 30 years. That's so fun. And, uh, yeah, you just got to find, you got to find something that is, uh, that you feel is really, really going to help people and help clients and, and, and do well for them. And then it's easy to, to, to explain them how it's going to, uh, it's easy to grow a business when, when you have a good product. Yeah. And so, so one of the, one of the things that I'm fascinated by as well, uh, Hugh is, is, you know, these businesses were all paper-based businesses and then moving them online. How difficult was that? How challenging was that, you know, for your business, for your customers, what sort of, you know, uh, just, just in, in, in managing that, that change, that must've been enormous change. So it was enormous change. And, and when I see uh, the opportunities that uh, recent grads have today, that is essentially the spot that we were in back in, uh, back in the mid nineties. So, you know, our competitors at the time had these entrenched ways of doing business for like literally for a hundred years. Right. And they found it really, really hard to go totally digital. Right. And to change the way they do stuff. You know, some of the things that we were doing would definitely be considered kind of the disruptors of the day, although that term wasn't really thrown around because it wasn't as profound then. Um, but uh, it was, you know, we found it easier back then to appear much bigger than we really were because our websites were good. And, uh, you know, we knew how to make a good looking website. And, 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 and if you use the right lingo on it, our, our website was as good as many companies that had 500 employees. And you didn't, you know, and, and it gave people confidence. And when we needed to uh, kill off the print and go digital, you just, you got to do it. I didn't have, at the time, I had all the courage of someone in their 20s and early 30s. You know, we didn't have big mortgages and big families. Right. And it was a time in life when risks were easier to take. And at the time, I remember uh, all of the older people around me were telling me this. So oh, now's the time to do it. I definitely didn't appreciate how true that was. Yes. I felt it at the time because, you know, if I didn't make money for 90 days, that wasn't the end of the day. That wasn't the end of the world. I still had enough that I could, uh, I could eat and I could always go home. But, um, you know, to anyone listening who is, you know, under the age of 26, I would say if you if there's anything that you're ever thinking of doing and there's a risk attached to it, you got to do it now because uh, it's going to be super hard when you're in your 30s and even harder when you're in your 40s. Yeah, no. And I, I experienced the same thing. And there have been a bunch of alumni sharing that I I went out and loaded up on debt uh, to buy this business. 
and uh, um, you know, take take that on, and and like you know, again, didn't buy didn't buy a property. Uh, I guess I wasn't uh, you know living at home, but you know, renting a place, keeping costs low, you know, and uh, and and that's you know really really a an intelligent way to do it. Understand that the risks are then. There's just so much time to make up for an error, you know, when you're at that age. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, just in terms of, of of the business now, so you found a sweet spot for staffing. You've you you know, like in terms of managing these different brands, because I, I you've got Scott's directories, the Canadian Trade Index, McCray's Blue Book. You know, how do you how do you manage that? You know, running three different businesses under one. So we had a we had a lot of success coming out of the 2000s with our directory business, McCray's Blue Book, the Canadian Trade Index. We had a property called, still do, called Profile Canada. And uh, we're making a ton of money selling advertising on all those platforms. And uh, Google was giving us literally tens of millions of visits a month. It was outrageous uh, how, it was, uh, how it was coming in. And we were patting ourselves, spent half the day patting ourselves on the back, telling ourselves what an amazing uh, job we had done. Um, and then uh, I bought my partners out in 2010. I had two business partners at the time uh, and went totally on my own. And then the traffic started to decline. And uh, I was faced with another... Uh, inflection point on how are we going to change, pivot, and make the business relevant again, like we had done uh, in 2000. It was kind of 10 or 12 years later, and we had to do the next uh, complete uh, rework of the business. And it was super scary, and it was super hard. Yeah. But I did have the benefit of having a, a profitable functioning business underneath me at, at that point. Uh, so we had to completely reinvent uh, how the business operated. And it started with us operating or offering, you know, marketing services directly to the to, to companies. We'd help them with their websites. and We'd help them with uh, getting leads uh, for their businesses okay. online, as opposed to just come just by advertising on our directory. And that'll kind of happen automatically. And we found some traction there. And uh, that evolved into us recognizing one day that that was, a huge part of what we needed to do. And our competitors were, it was a race to the bottom from a cost perspective. We could never keep keep up with the, the uh, our competitors' abilities to offer lower and lower prices. So uh, we just said, we can't do business. We can't have an, ops, uh, an operating group in Canada. Uh, it's just not going to work because none of our competitors were doing it. So uh, we literally got on a plane, my wife and I, and we flew to India. And we knew one person there and they took us around uh, and we started using uh, outsourced uh, operators. That was in uh, 2015, uh, 2016, we opened up there. And I would say it was probably one of the best things that we ever did. Yeah. Because in 2017, we were given the opportunity to purchase Scott's Directories, which is a long time uh, Canadian marketing brand, uh, 65 years old and uh, did a lot of stuff on CD-ROMs and in books back in the boy you know, going way Big back. Brand. Big brand, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, but is all online right now. And that particular business was in disarray. The owners at the time couldn't figure out how to make it digital only and how to make it profitable. And you know, the only way that worked was by sending it to our overseas office and integrating it with uh, with the work that they're doing there. So, so the business today, and, and we actually grew through the pandemic. So I know that we have a model now that seems to be working at least for the next few years. And right. kind of half of what we do is we do uh, online marketing for 
our client base, which means uh, we'll do we'll do anything it takes to get them leads through their website, build them websites, do SEO, we do um, you know blogs, we do you know, all the different things you have to do to bring people to your website. So that's how we get uh, create inbound marketing opportunities for them, and then we have this uh, uh, database of Corporate Canada where we will sell people lists and or give them access to the SaaS platform that they can go in and search all of the clients like the ones that they currently have, and they can create outbound opportunities uh, for their sales force too. So uh, that's really, uh, no matter, there's, there isn't a business uh, in Canada who does B2B stuff that we can't help with either outbound efforts or inbound efforts. So we've grown yeah, in the pandemic. We had a pretty scary first 60 days, but I think that was pretty common. Yes. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then uh, the data business has grown. And the digital business has grown, which is not a surprise if you've seen the Shopify uh, story in the last yeah, oh, it's so. just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> wish uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wish wish I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So so just just so everyone understands, Shopify has has blown up in uh, in in value. A great Canadian company and uh, great for them. Great for them. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but but I didn't invest. Um, <laughs> no, no, me neither. No, I mean, <laughs> so just in terms of, you know, what's the competitive uh, space for you in your business versus other businesses? Who's competing with that information? Mainly American uh, okay. information providers. So uh, Zoom Info is, is a well-known brand. Uh, Discovery.org is part of the same organization. Uh, we see a lot from them. Uh, there's a lot of uh, niche-based uh, organizations that will have information on specific industries. Okay. We were very strong in the medical side. We had a medical directory up until last week. We just sold that actually uh, to a telehealth company because uh, telehealth has also been uh, crazy on fire. So again, that's an example of uh, you know a, a vertical that has that we had strong information for. So that's what, what sets us aside, apart from other digital uh, marketing agencies, if you will, is the fact that we have uh, these outbound uh, databases that people can use. Otherwise, if we're just looking at the, um, the digital agency stuff, uh, it's very hard to come up with competitive advantage. It's highly yes. fragmented. There aren't many big players. It's very hard to differentiate yourself. So that for us was that. Uh, that was a bit of a secret sauce for us that made us uh, that, that that gave us the ability to 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 grow the business. So otherwise, it's a very uh, commodity based um, uh, business, tough to make money and and tough to grow in. So that's also what I've learned in the last uh, you know twenty years is that um, you need to have some kind of definite competitive differentiation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I guess, you know, certainly you do. And then there's some parts of the business that you're not as differentiated in it. Right. So you've got to make sure where you're investing your time and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just constantly looking at that. So, you know, one of the other things that's very clear you've done is, is, is constant and never ending um, learning. Okay. Like, you know, just, you know, and again, obviously if you hadn't, your business wouldn't have been able to jump through the hurdles and make the changes that you needed to, but, you know, why don't you speak to, you know, like your experience at YPO, your experience at, at Harvard and, and what, what things, uh, you know, you gain from, from, from that type of a learning environment. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, just going back even a little further, I, I learned the, the first time I was really ever exposed to coaching or mentoring uh, 
uh, was definitely at Student Works, and it would be definitely uh, you would be one of the first people, Chris, who who helped me with that. And I up until that time had always thought, you know, oh, that's just someone telling me what to do. Like I don't need that. That's the reason I want to be an entrepreneur. That's the last thing I want. Someone <laughs> someone telling me what to do. But uh, having gone through, I was at U of T, of course, at the time, and and, and appreciated, always enjoyed university, uh, and then and then the years with Student Works really gave me insight into how someone could really kind of um, coach me and mentor me and not teach me about algebra or, or, or physics, but actually teach me about running a business and, and, and how to be better. And it was certainly eye-opening to me how that would happen um, or how that could happen. And uh, that's really what took me into the uh, MBA program at Ivy. I really yeah. felt that I needed to complete you know, my learning journey and that the, based on my age and my experience, that was a good opportunity for me. And then I came out uh, and started, you know, kind of in business uh, and put my head down and got married and started a family and uh, felt like something was really missing from uh, my life. And it was really this lifelong learning that I was really looking for. I went back to the program for entrepreneurs that I would highly recommend uh, to anyone called Quantum Shift. And it's um, it's a kind of a two week boot camp, and it it really uh, kind of uh, in two thousand and eight, uh, it really gave me some uh, some excellent tools mo- mo- going into what was a big financial recession. And then soon after that, I joined uh, YPO, which is the Young Presidents Organization for for anyone uh, who's not familiar with that. And their mantra is all about lifelong learning. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that. I just thought it was a bunch of rich guys sitting around talking about the country club. But actually, it couldn't be further from the truth. It's it's a bunch of people that are uh, there to help and support each other uh, and inspire each other and to give, uh, you know, fantastic guidance and coaching and mentoring. And I think that was from uh, probably the most important organization I've joined. Yeah. And they have a program uh, in there. So I didn't I wanted to continue my uh, kind of formal learning. Uh, but of course, can't and roll back in university, the next step would be a PhD or something similar. And I don't want to dedicate that kind of time. And uh, they have a, a program in YPO uh, called the Harvard President's Program. So I've been there uh, three or four times over the past seven or eight years. You go down to uh, the Harvard Business School. It's a, a one-week, super intensive program. It's like it's like a July week with student works. Like It's like you get up in the morning at six o'clock. <laughs> And you go to bed at midnight and you have no idea what happened. Uh, you feel better for it. And then you wake yeah. up the next morning and it's it like, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And it's like that for, for that program. Uh, and it's astonishing the quality of the professors that you're exposed to. And you really, I really walked away from that experience and continue to do it. After the pandemic, I plan to plan to uh, restart the, um, uh, the learning. Uh, yeah, to see really what the like really world what might be the world's best uh, business professors, uh, what they look like and sound like, and what sets them apart. Uh, and and there is some some magic to it. And uh, and I did walk away from uh, uh, from from that from all those experiences, thinking this has really been part of my lifelong learning, which is which is really what I'm trying to maintain somehow. Yeah. No, I do the same thing. I've been in um, entrepreneur EO, uh, formerly YEO. Uh, for you know over 25 years and and just just found similar you know just again lifelong learning and 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 growth uh, i have not done i've done a bunch of the universities i've not done that 
program because they've got a similar similar program uh eo and i have not done it and you know you're you're making me feel like gosh (laughs) (laughs) she 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 go make that happen but that's really really exciting but and the big thing i why i wanted to direct you in that area was for our leaders you know understanding again you're coming out of university the learning doesn't stop it starts you know because again you know for you you know how much did your first degree really make a difference for you, you know, you know, really not a lot, you know, now, obviously it's great to have that business and accounting background, but you know, not a huge part of what your, what your, your business has become, you know, it's everything afterwards. Yeah, definitely not. And I, I, I kind of went into U of T it's close to my house. Um, it was a bit of an easy choice for me. Yeah. And I feel like I spent my years there kind of, I was certainly educated, but it beat the entrepreneur out of me. Yes. And uh, I had to uh, do my stuff with Student Works. I had to do my stuff uh, in the UK. I had to do my stuff with Ivy to get it back, uh, to get my entrepreneurial mojo back and my confidence back. So, uh, uh, yeah, lifelong learning is is pretty key. And so, what what if if someone was considering going out into the entrepreneurial world? What would you? What advice would you give them? Uh, try it. Like, don't be don't be scared. Um, it is the exception, not the rule. People who actually do it and you know it's not as risky as it feels um i know uh, very few people in my kind of group at the time went and started their own business and by and large they've all gone on to be successful in whatever careers they have but you know i do hear from them how they you know wish they had done something uh yeah. when they could have uh, yeah. on, on a number of occasions so i'm in my 50s now and, uh, you know, not a lot of people start businesses in their fifties or their forties. Yeah. You don't realize how restrictive age is when you're in your twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I would say, you know, if, if you even think of it at the time as something that might be interested, you have to give it a shot because that window is not going to be open forever. And, and the low risk time, uh, is, uh, is, is, is now. Yeah. No, and, you, and you're right as well. And, and just just so people might go, well, no, I know some people started their businesses in their 40s or 50s, but a lot of times that's second or third or fourth businesses, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah, because yes. it really is tough to go put your mortgage on the line and go, you know, you know, hey, the the, the impact on your your family and the risk involved uh, is very very challenging. So, um, you know, that's why, again, most businesses get started, I think, early or entrepreneurs get started early. Entrepreneurs get started. And if someone's thinking about it, um, you know, money is usually a reason, one of the reasons why people are interested in starting their own business. And what I would say, if that's kind of part of the mix and for that group, I don't know what your experience is, Chris, but in on my street, in the people that I hang out with, they're almost exclusively uh, business owners. And, you know, people have nice big houses, have a lot of success, uh, a lot of confidence. It's a great group to hang out with and to be part of. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel like I've really, you know, executed well when I can, uh, you know, hang out with my friends and we can share these stories. Yeah. But if you, uh, it, it's hard, it's, it is really hard yeah. to make a lot of money. If you don't have leverage behind you of a whole bunch of people working for you. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I true. mean, it's just the math. So yeah. well, certainly Austin Matthews has figured out how to do it in a way that you don't need that. But for the rest of us, uh, and, and I got to say student works was, was my first, uh, was the first eye opening experience uh, around that. Yeah. So of learning you know, leverage. 
yeah of learning of learning the leverage and, and the magic of having people work for you and yeah yeah for sure so um you know as you went from a you know university student to a you know value creator in the full-time world uh, what did you need to change about yourself Hugh? so um for sure i felt like i kind of knew everything uh like i didn't really need to be told much and uh, the, the, the further I made it along, the more I realized I didn't know and I could benefit from other people's wisdom. That's definitely uh, something I needed to change. I was uh, in the early years of university. I was not focused on my studies. I was focused on having a good time, uh, partying like crazy. You know, no one who knew me at that time, if they'd have met me, would have ever thought I would have turned out uh, anything OK, because that was not really what I focused. So I had to change, uh, you know, I had to become focused. Uh, and I had to, uh, and I had to open myself up to, to listening to what other people had to say because it, it had merit. Right. It has okay. Merit. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And so what key habits would someone want to steal from you? So I think the, 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 I, I have lots of bad habits that I'm always trying to change, but, but, but the, probably the single biggest good one, I think that has stuck with me is, is the habit of persistence. And uh, it is, I think, common amongst my most entrepreneurial friends is this idea that, you know, so many people will try something and quit it. But I, I don't know anyone who's wealthy that got wealthy overnight, despite what how it looks from the outside yeah. and had success in their business. Um, you just got to stick with it. And it's, you know, you're going to see some dark days. And I, we've seen, you know, I'm talking about so many great things that have happened, but yeah. As you know, Chris, there's a lot of uh, months uh, and many years when, you know, it was not clear that things were going to work out uh, okay. Uh, and you just got to stick with it. And so many people I know didn't. Yeah. Uh, I moved on to other stuff and regretted or wonder why, you know, this person's having success and that person's not. And I can say almost without exception that persistence is probably the single biggest habit uh, or, or, or element of someone's personality that, uh, that is a predictor for success in entrepreneurs. Yeah. I so so agree. And actually, one question I just recognized that I missed should uh, should follow. I, I I said, oh, I got this list. I should go go look at it. Was was actually just biggest failures or mistakes? Because you're right. I one thing we don't want to do at any time is is just highlight, highlight, highlight. No, we want to talk about you know what's really really true about being successful is there's a whole bunch of failure, you know, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of problems, a whole bunch of dark days. Yeah. So definitely a big failure. Uh, when I look back over the, uh, over the years, I think uh, me uh, not really following my heart in university and going and doing something. Uh, when I came out, I went to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers and that was definitely, uh, it wasn't good for them. I wasn't mm -hmm. committed. It wasn't good for me. I wasn't committed. Uh, and I think I knew on uh, hour one, day one, that this was not for me. Ah, okay. um, and I think if I'd have really looked into my heart, sooner I, I would have recognized that it was the i felt there was some prestige with working at one of these companies uh, yeah. and it was going to pave a, a great path and uh, it was not obvious what i would do if i didn't do it but that was definitely uh you know going into a job that i think i knew was not right for me uh was was definitely uh, was definitely a mistake um any other mistakes or failures you know uh over the course of uh the years we've tried so many different things in our business that haven't worked out that we're constantly uh failing you know um but 
that's just a part of growing a business. Uh, you know, yeah. you try so many different uh, elements and pieces. But when I when I look back, I think that's the single biggest one was was not trusting my instincts um, and making a career decision that I think I think I knew was was wrong. Also, selling the business to Yellow Pages. I knew at the time that wasn't really the right thing to do back when I was younger. Right. But I couldn't resist uh, a little bit of a payday. Yeah. And then every day I woke up and hated myself for two years. So again, it's just not following following what I know is true about myself. Yeah, yeah. And and it's also it's one of those things where as well, it's it's you know, it's great to have wealth, but it wasn't like you're trading wealth for some not wealth, but but it was it's obviously enticing, right? But mm-hmm. but that that corporate that corporate gig, you know, uh is 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 challenging for many. I you know again I I I work really well with others. I definitely could work in partnership. Have worked in partnership many times very well. But I just I like you said working in a large organization like that. I could see that being very challenging. What was most difficult about it? Did you not like your boss? Did did they not set it up properly? So because in my mind, if you're recruiting somebody like you and you've bought their business, they go go run it for me, Hugh. Yeah, that's not what they did. No, they didn't. And there was a lot of turnover on their side and they were constantly, I never really had great people that I was reporting to. We weren't big enough to make an impact on Bell Canada. I mean, ultimately that's who on the yellow page at the time. Mm-hmm. We weren't nowhere near big enough to make any impact on, on Bell Canada. So we were a bit of an afterthought. We were never really a big, huge strategic buyer for them. We were doing a couple million bucks a year in revenue at the time. And that was a lot for sure from my perspective, but, uh, you know, from their perspective, it, it, we didn't, it was a rounding error for yeah. one of their smaller subs. So, yeah, I think, uh, we were a, a bit of an afterthought for them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was so, you know, into what I was doing. I loved it. And, mm-hmm. um, to be considered an afterthought by all these people that were, I mean, another thing is, and I don't want to say uh, this is my experience. As I've gotten older, is that I have I know many many people that have been tremendously successful, especially in YPO, running huge organizations of you know fifteen, twenty, eighty thousand people. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I was dealing with you know unmotivated lifetime middle managers who, which is fine, but I I don't have anything in common with those people. Right. From a career perspective, and we didn't see eye to eye really on anything. And I knew all these people going in. Um, I had met them all, and I just uh, again uh, didn't really uh, listen to my inner voice. Okay, okay. Well, that's well, that's a that's a great lesson for our for our leaders listening. So, uh, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Uh, I think of someone's you know interest in taking on uh, kind of changing the world. I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but there is uh, so many opportunities to do change every industry um and i've seen it you know the pandemic has so many negatives to it mm-hmm. but one of the positives is the rate at which businesses have been able to change those that have been uh, uh blessed by the pandemic from a an opportunity perspective the, some of those businesses have been able to like pivot and create wealth and to create services and to change people's lives, both people who work there and people, uh, uh, customers. And it's been a remarkable, it's almost like 10 years of change and, uh, yes. change management has gone on in, in 12 months. And it was, it's so eye opening to see what motivated people who really want to change things, uh, can do. So when I see, uh, you know, the young leaders of today, you just got to go for it and really let let technology just there's nothing that you can't think of uh that you can't do and i i just got to say just 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 give it a shot yeah 
so in just you just just in terms of you know you you obviously see the future as a pretty big huge opportunity right now because i'm sure there are a lot of leaders who are listening to maybe their parents maybe other people maybe profs you know other businesses leaders and businesses that are being threatened but you see huge huge opportunities i do and and i will always remember i complicated uh university of toronto in 1988 and forget who the convocation speaker was but the one thing I remember from the convocation was he said, uh, almost all of you will end up in a career and in a job that we don't even know exists today. And at the time, I thought, what is this guy talking about? What could possibly come up that we don't know that, is, that could not possibly exist today? And I got to say, when I look at it, I just the other day, thought of my 10 closest friends and what they do. None of those businesses existed uh, 25 years ago. So, or the industries or the opportunities they have. So, yeah, it is, uh, you know, people are scared uh, by AI and by people not, uh, not having opportunities and work. I, I, I don't believe it. I think uh, the more technology and the more, the more we advance, the more opportunities there's going to be. And, and, I, and I would say, I think personally, we're going to see greater disparity of wealth. So put yourself on the right side of that. Start a business. Put yourself, uh, do something entrepreneurial. And uh, don't put yourself into a position where you're going to be in a, a dead-end career. Uh, you got to look after yourself first. So, uh, so, so do some things for you that are going to serve you well in the long term. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, we are so aligned, and and your one comment, uh, you know, one of the things I, I've been I've been very successful in coaching many many, you know, alumni to the top one percent, uh, and uh, you know, just being you know part of that, you know, just being part of that coaching and mentoring. And um, I don't know what to do with the increasing this you know disparity in our in our in our country and the world. And it and it mm -hmm. looks to me like that's just going to continue. Um, and there's the haves and the have-nots. And so my space is okay. Let's 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 be part of creating more haves, and then let's be generous yeah. when we're there, and let's be thoughtful and all those sorts of things to 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 try to make a difference. Uh, you know, with those have-nots, but I, I'd rather be on the other side of it and being generous. Than, yeah. uh, and yeah. making bad choices, you know, when you're young and so many of the choices are, are really, in, you know, in your twenties that set, set, set your future apart. For sure. For sure. And that's, well, uh, you know, I, 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 when I talk to, we're at a, at a point in my life where my peer group all have their kids going off to university and, and it's mm -hmm. a common mantra, you know, everyone is seeing the same thing and it's worrying because a lot of the high paying middle management jobs that, that we all could felt like we could fall back on. I don't know that those are going to be there. Yeah. I think there's going to be a great living for many, many, you know, for almost all Canadians. But uh, if you really want to accelerate your, uh, your earning potential, uh, there is definitely, uh, you better be on the right side of the disparity as well. Yeah. Well, Hugh, thank you so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. This was awesome. Um, and uh, I uh, look forward to staying connected. And uh, um, again, have, have yourself a fantastic day. Thank you very much, Chris. It was a pleasure talking to you. And good luck to everyone who's listening. Um, listen to Chris. He knows what he's talking about. He helped me and he'll help you too. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Hugh. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. 
It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.